Jeff, that makes me so happy, but I'm, it's, oh, I'm, yet I'm still salty about, about something. All right, bring it. Okay. Before I do, had a realization that was brought upon by some comments from some people. We're going to start saying it at the beginning of the rough cuts. I'm going to cuss there. Turn this yeah. off if your kids are in the car. Yes. I had someone express to me that my partner used a bad word and daddy had to turn the podcast off. So fair warning to everyone. Jason, I did not use salty language. I did not use a bad word. There are no bad. Okay. There's like two bad words. All right. Jason used an adult word. There you go. And I used it well. You did. That was great. But okay. yeah, maybe for a, a 10 year old. But anyway, go ahead. It's true. So, all right. So, so Jeff, did you see our friend, our friend Deidre's, did you see her tweets about what's the Shrek music rights on public, no, the no. platform? Mm -mm. So I, I don't want to get into the details, but the short version, uh, this is Deidre Willard, by the way, who's one of the co-hosts of the Motley Fool Money podcast. And I work with her, Jeff, I think you might work with her a little bit behind the scenes at the Fool on a bunch of stuff. But anyway, there's this new offering. You can invest in the music rights, the Shrek music rights. And Deidre's tweet, she laid out like all of the different fees structures that are there. And my blood started boiling, Jeff. It really, it really did. Why? What, what about this upsets you? How rampant and commonplace it is. The fees, so, the fees you mean? Fees. Yeah. Like, so public, I mean, again, I haven't verified this. I'm reading Deidre's tweet. 2.4% cut from the initial offering. And then royalty exchange charges a 5% fee for services. And then a, an affiliate of public takes another 5% of the remaining payout. And dude, here's what this has got me thinking. Like I'm beginning to think if you aren't willing to read the fine print of a contract. If you're not willing to read a 10K, if you're not willing to read a 10Q, you should just buy index funds. Like you should not, you should never buy stocks. You shouldn't. You shouldn't invest in, in an actively managed fund, a crowdfunded invest, like none of that shit. If you're not willing to just read the basic stuff, you're getting what you deserve. Yeah. I'm going to push back a little bit because that's okay. what we do here on Rough Cuts. Here's my pushback. Do you think that someone who subscribes to an investment newsletter service and, and, and is buying based on those recommendations, do you think it's a little more acceptable for that person to not spend the time reading a, a 10K or a 10Q or something like that? So 35-year-old Jason probably would have said yes. 35-year-old Jason didn't realize that Jason was in the midst of one of the better 15-year periods for stocks. And 46-year-old Jason is less optimistic about the next 5, 10 years for stocks. And I'm just concerned that because it, I feel like it's become more of a stock picker's market than what we've experienced over the past 10, 15 years of super low interest rates, driving multiples higher, pushing more money into the stocks because fixed income has been pretty low yield and a lot more money that typically would be in stuff like bonds or mortgage-backed securities has been in stocks just to get 
more yields risk on. And the, I mean, this is like the first time in, I don't know, 15 or 16 years where the 10-year treasury yield has been close to 5%. And for a lot of the money out there, and I'm saying the money, not people, because a lot of this money is pension funds and high net wealth, you know, family offices and that kind of stuff, where like 4%, 5% guaranteed yield and 100% safe preservation of capital. That's good enough. That's good enough. Those thresholds are good enough that you don't need to own Coca-Cola. I've been beating Coca-Cola up a lot lately, but like you just, you don't need to, you don't need to. I think the way I think about it, I agree with you in spirit. I, I think here's where I would maybe be a little bit more specific in, in my thought process. Let's say you subscribe to a newsletter. It's someone's Substack. It's a service like the Molly Fool or Seeking Alpha or whatever. You, you subscribe to something and they give you stock picks. I think it's actually fine to let that be your investment research and buy said picks. However, if you do that, I, you don't get to complain if some of them are wrong. You can if, still complain. You're just going to be an idiot for it. Well, but I mean, that's, but that's kind of my point. I think you're making a decision at that point to outsource all of that work. And that's fine. Yep. That's your decision. Yep. But you then you live with the consequences. I think the way you and I think about it, because we were both members of a newsletter service at some point before we were doing anything in the oh, yeah. world of investing. Right. And I, I started out just buying blindly. And then as I got interested and learned more, I started to be more discerning. So I might use the recommendation as my starting point, but then I might go read a 10K or read a press release or see what other people were saying about, get some other opinions. But I, that was my decision at that point. So, but, but I think what you're trying to say, where I agree with you, is if you're just out there buying based on whatever, what you see on the internet, what you're reading from free sources that you ne not, can't necessarily verify the accuracy of their information, or if you're just listening to us, you should be reading. You should be reading 10Ks, 10Qs, press releases, and, and proxy statements and all that stuff so you have some level of understanding of what you're actually getting into. Yeah, it's funny because like, I agree with myself in spirit, but I, I, it is difficult to even agree with my own position on this in practice for more people for exactly the reasons you just laid out. I mean, I've said it on our podcast when we've done our, how we invest episodes and broken down our frameworks and that kind of stuff for a lot of people, Jeff, like even yourself, you've got a full-time job. That's not in finance. You've carved out time for a side hustle and because you really enjoy it to read the filing, but most people just you don't have time, right? You're out, you're coaching your kids baseball team or, shuffling the kids to one to soccer and one to hockey and one to basketball or whatever, right? You just, you don't have the time and you have to outsource something, right? And when you do that, you have to kind of outsource your conviction too, right? I've talked about, about that. And, and I, I do agree. It's just, it's so frustrating to me because I feel like the average person, the average investor out there, the average person with spare money that they want to turn into more money, they just don't, they never, they never learn. When as soon as they learn, there's another idiot. What's the P.T. Barnum? You know, there's a sucker born every minute. Yeah. I mean, well, look, I, there's been times, as much as I enjoy this, I, I like reading about companies and thinking about this. And there have been times where I've been really busy in life or tired and just been like, I should just buy an index fund. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I can relate. And I'm sure I, I bet if you got a bunch of other people who, who work in the industry, even full-time, that's their whole job. I bet you there are times when they're like, yeah, sometimes I wish I was just in an index fund because it can be exhausting and you can question yourself and you can feel like you're wrong. And, mm -hmm. and the reality is you can do perfectly fine never buying an individual stock in your life. I, I know some analysts that are primarily invested in index funds because they see, they say that because of their work, it can actually cloud their objectivity mm. and some, like some investment funds out there, some jobs in finance, they don't let analysts own the stocks they cover. Right. Because I have a, yeah, I have a friend who works for a, one of the big investment firms, so she's not allowed to buy individual stocks. It's just mm -hmm. part of the job. Yep. So she's entirely in index funds and I think. She doesn't really have an interest, I don't think, in learning more about it. But I sometimes think to myself, like, you're being forced into doing what's probably the right thing for you. <laughs> and sometimes I think that it's a shame that that's not the case for more of society. Do we need a benevolent dictator? Is that really, is that no. really what I'm saying? No. no. What we're saying is you should buy index funds, but also listen to our podcast all the time. Well, you should buy individual stocks too. Jason's an idiot. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that guy. That's true. All right. Are you Jeff, done ranting? I feel, I, feel a little, I feel a little better. You know what's going to make you feel better, better? What's that? Yeah, it does. Yeah.